Welcome back to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pagel here um, for the first time in a while, not riding solo, as I am kicking off February, as we called it before, Ask the Experts. And I am here to conduct my first interview with a uh, with a, a longtime friend and funny man, Greg Cherry. Greg, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Matt. Glad to be on. Glad you have me. Um, Greg is here to talk some stand-up comedy with me. Um, so, like, like I said, this this whole month we're going to be doing these uh, sort of. I'm going to be doing these sort of interviews, essentially, and um, I'm interviewing someone that has a particular area of expertise. Um, and while Greg Cherry may not be famous yet, um, he is obviously angling to be the next big comedian in the United States. But it, it, I also, Greg, before we dive into any part of this here, um, so this is sort of pre, pre-interview questions, if you will. Um, yeah. I, I am very curious, the, the reason why I wanted, really wanted someone like you, um, no offense, also because I couldn't get a hold of Anthony Jeselnik, he just won't call me back, um, but... Um, <laughs> Nor could I afford anyone uh, who's like an actual, you know, touring comedian. Exactly. Um, But legitimately, like the reason why I wanted to talk to someone like you is because you, while you're maybe not an expert in the realm of stand up exactly, like, you know, you're you're not like you're not like selling out clubs in New York or anything, but you do have a very particular area of expertise of what it's like to be an amateur stand up and like how that experience has sort of. Um, you know, I'm curious about that experience. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. And I can definitely talk on that. And, you know, I've had a lot of great experiences here over the past few years and also just interacting with, you know, people who are very well known as well. So definitely down to do all that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's, that's really like sort of the, the point here. Um, like you, you just have, you have this very interesting sort of, um, this interesting sort of like set of experiences and knowledge that a lot of people don't have. And I think, I don't know if you'd agree with this or not. I think if I were to get someone who was headlining, even like, even like headlining some smaller clubs in New York or something, their experience would be vastly different from your experience as well. Yeah. I mean, I would say so for sure. Cause I mean, those folks have, gone through kind of like the similar set areas I have in terms of starting and like finding your footing and getting more time on stage and whatnot. Um, but then I also got to experience that before and during and after COVID hit, you know, and it's so true. I think that that definitely puts a little bit of a different spin on things. Yeah, absolutely. I do. You know what? I kind of forgot about that. That you, you just had, uh, I have a couple questions pop in my head actually. So this should be interesting. Yeah. So Let's uh, let's start it off here. The little lightning round question for you. Um, I guess it's just a, a lightning round request more than anything. Give me your worst knock knock joke. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to be a participant. Uh, but uh, hey, Pagel, knock knock. Who's there? Not your dad. Not your dad. Who? That's it. He's not there. <laughs> oh God. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> You did say my worst. So. It was, that was that was very awful. That was but perfect. That was perfect. Um, all right. So here's here's the little for, here's the format for all of these interviews going forward. And uh, basically, I'm just going to have I, mean, I have I have six main questions for Greg. Um, and obviously, like if if Greg if like you get into something real interesting, I'll follow up with questions. But yeah, there's six main questions here. And again, they're more they're more about like your experience in stand up. Like I'm not asking you like, what do you think of cancel culture? Like you know, great. Like that so maybe maybe that will come up um at some point in time. But again, I'm not really interested in like your thoughts on that. I'm interested in your thoughts and your experience. Um right. so we're gonna get through those six questions and then we're gonna finish off with a top five, which we'll we'll get to when we we'll go into that when we get to when we get to that part. So I guess this is a little bit of a cliche question for you, but nonetheless. Uh, what was the moment or was there a person or some kind of event that convinced you to like go ahead and make the leap into stand up? Like what was that turning point for you? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna give like the stereotypical answer of, you know, of like I lost my fantasy football league or I was bored and thought I could just do it because I saw other people do it. Um, I mean, that was part of it, right? Is that I definitely wanted to be in doing stand up for quite a, quite a while. I've always been an admirer. I'm um, back into like the MySpace days when I had MySpace and, you know, there's names coming up that caught my eye as a middle schooler, like Dane Cook, Dimitri Martin. Those are some of my in- early, early four ways into stand up, if you will, mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, seeing what that would look like. I mean, but, there's a lot of middle middle schoolers into Dane Cook, too, still. 
yeah. Uh, more like he's into them. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> anyway, oh, sorry, man. keep going. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, no, but I'd say it started around 2019. Um, you know, I was not necessarily making the best life choices, and I culminated a week before my birthday getting a DUI. And that just really derailed my life, you know, kind of just off the rails. I felt a lot of shame, didn't know what to do, was on probation, couldn't drink, couldn't smoke, couldn't really do a lot of things socially that I used to do with my friends, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I was like, well, I live a block away from a place that has an open mic. Let's go ahead and just bite the bullet and do it because I already hate myself enough, so I might as well go do this. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, you know, I had some friends that showed up there and I honestly did better at that open mic for my first time than I should have. I should have not had anyone there so I can feel like what it felt like to eat shit your first time mm-hmm. uh, doing stand up. Um, but yeah, that got me to do a leap into stand up and because it gives you that endorphin rush. Right. And sure. then a couple weeks later, maybe like two and a half, three weeks into me, like doing open mics and whatnot. Um, there's this thing in Fort Collins called joke Chella, and it's a thing that happens every year. Um, during the summer, usually June or July, in which you have a bunch of comics over three different shows, and they all do rapid fire two minutes or so, right? Mm-hmm. And then they introduce the next comic in like a what we call a shotgun fashion, meaning there's not a host necessarily. You end your set, then you bring up the next person, and gotcha. it just keeps rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happened there, just to give you that setup, is that I was there checking things out, just wanted to be a part of the community and see what it was all about. And there was, who was a good friend of mine now, his name's Chris. Uh, he was there. He was very welcoming to me in the scene, which isn't super, super common in stand-up comedy. I'll get to that a little bit later on, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But he was like, hey, are you up tonight? I'm like, well, you know, it was before I really was able to sign up. And also, I just started. I didn't think it would be my place to ask. And he brought me over to the organizer. He's like, come with me. And he asked the organizer. He's like, hey, could Greg hop up? And he looks at me, looks at Chris rolls his eyes so hard and says he gets one minute i'm like all right great <laughs> and so but it, it's, it's in like a it's in like a theater that's like like a single used to be like an old single screen movie theater you know like way back in the day um that got converted to like a music venue slash like event space mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so i'm up on stage it's rolling laughter of comic after comic after comic because the audience doesn't get a break in between the comics and mm-hmm. like time to regroup um, so the energy was high. The audience was great. And my jokes, I got laughs in front of like roughly 200 people for my, and being two and a half, three weeks in, like that's not an experience that you get. And mm-hmm. so that really sank its claws into me and kept me wanting to keep going to kind of, you know, chase that high, if you will. And, uh, that's where I guess I'm a big part of why I'm still doing it here today knows that I got that initial experience. And, um, I, of course, had my discouraging moments, you know, up until currently, but, Man, it just nothing beats having that endorphin laugh and that laughter that you receive from stage and audience feedback. For sure, for sure. So, so real quickly, just to, to backtrack on something you said there. Um, so, like your your first experience was like a little bit atypical. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, you know, there, there there's like two camps of people who start into to, to open my comedy the first time. Either you have the people that are like, I'm just going to show up by myself because I don't want my friends to see me and I don't want them to know. And I don't mm-hmm. want them to think that I'm terrible at this because I'm probably going to be terrible at this. Cause my first time ever. And then there's other camps where you're like, Oh, well maybe I'll tell some of my close friends and they'll show up and then I'll get some laughter that way. Um, and that's what I did. And looking back at it, I think I was just anxious. I just kind of blurted out that I was doing it and my friends showed up to support, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of wish I bit that bullet initially, you know, and uh, really, really uh, sank myself on that first open mic because you just have to, you just have to feel that you have to work at it. You don't want to feel instant success and be like, oh, I'm really good at this, and you get a false sense of security. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So um, when you're doing something like joke cello, then are you um, now? Have you have you done it since then? I'm assuming so. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, pardon me. I've done it every year since then. Um, other than you know we. They skipped the year that COVID hit because that was the following year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've done every year since then, and it's been a great experience. And that's it, now moved into the actual comedy club that I work at. Gotcha, gotcha. So how does um, then? How does like that sort of, um, as you mentioned, like the like the energy of the audience? Like how can how do you sort of make sure that you like play into that? Like do you, do you do anything? Not I shouldn't say different, but like 
do you is it something you can read and like okay so good energy here or bad, whatever it is good or bad energy here's how i'm going to like play into it yeah it really depends in terms of like you know what kind of format it is like a thing like jokecello like it's just it's madness it's just everyone just going up telling jokes getting off you get the next person and there's like 20 comics stacked into one show just rapid fire and so that's a very atypical show typically you have a show that's like you have your host opener feature headliner Maybe some comics in between, but no show should be going more than an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And it depends where you're at in that lineup. For instance, you know, if you're doing the host set, which I host a couple of shows, you are the one that is trying to set the tone initially and get the crowd into wanting to laugh. You know, you might not crush, you probably won't kill as a host, but you at least get the crowd uplifted yeah. and get them going. Um, but then also as like an, as the opener spot, which I, you know, of course was doing for quite a while and still do from time to time and more so been going into like more like the middling spot um and trying to get more feature spots but the the opener it's it's your job to really get the crowd going like they've already been warmed up from the host now you have to take the reins and keep that laughter going and really get them into it so that we can set it up well for the following acts right so um reading the room can be very difficult depending on where you're at if it's a place that you're not used to Mm -hmm. like for instance even within colorado you know, the crowds in Fort Collins are going to be way different than the crowds in Boulder versus the crowds in Colorado Spring and the crowds in Denver. There's there, there's always a slight tweak depending where you're going. And the best part is just to read that room and what you think is going to work well and what you think isn't. And that's part of paying attention to the host set. You know, pay attention to the host set, seeing what's working well at the host set will kind of set the tone for, okay, this is what the crowd is into. This is what the crowd might not be into. Um, but also sometimes you got to just say to yourself, fuck what the crowd may or may not be into. I'm going to do what I think is funny and see if the crowd thinks it, it is a well, it is a well. I gotcha. I, I find it, I do find it interesting that there is sort of a, um, an almost, an almost like sports, like home court advantage versus like mm-hmm. road, you know, going to the, like the road arena or something. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so how do you prepare for your set? Like what, like what, any kind of like particular rituals, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, it depends, you know, of course, you know, how far away, you know, my show might be and mm-hmm. uh, leading up to it. But of, like like anything, you know, I, I, I do relay comedy to kind of being like in the gym. You know, you want to do your open mics. You want to hit those mics. You want to try out new jokes. You're working out a muscle in a way, you know, mm-hmm. that repetitiveness because you're doing the same jokes. You're slightly tweaking them, making adjustments. And it's a lot like as you relay to, you know, being in the gym and adjusting maybe your workout for different muscle groups or different parts that you want to build. And that's really a, the main core of it is that you need to be going out there and just practicing, even if it's to a bunch of comics at an open mic. Um, but then when it comes to actually preparing for the set the day of, you know, of course, if there's any major current events that happen that day, maybe taking note of that because that could potentially impact how the crowd might be feeling that day. Um, you know, if like something really ridiculous and catastrophic happened then you want to make sure that you're, making note of that and maybe not going out there and making fun of a giant tragedy that just happened. Right. Um, which, you know, nine 11, that's open game. You can make fun of that still, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I think it's, it's, I think it's important to know your context mm-hmm. of what's happening in the world around you. Um, <clears throat> also too, I try to, as I'm approaching a venue, I want to, uh, I'll listen to, like podcasts. I'm going to like Denver, for instance, is a little over an hour away. So even if it's like 10 minutes away, um, I'll then switch it to music uh, that I think pumps me up. Like maybe I'll toss on some Freaks and Geeks by Childish Gambino, maybe some Run the Jewels, maybe I'll toss go. on some some Screamo. It just depends on my day. Um, and also uh, another big part of it, I listen to this on a podcast, and I forgot who said it, but it was a comic that mentioned it, saying that you know you need to go up before every set saying to yourself, I'm really good at this. You know, you need to go up there with that confidence and be mm-hmm. like, I am one of the best, even though, even if you're not, even if you know, you're not just telling yourself and prepping yourself up and pumping yourself up that way, you know, much like you would back to like your sports analogy there, you know, in a locker room, you know, you're getting ready for that big game and you want to get out there, put up your best foot forward and you're going to say, okay, I can do this. I know I'm talented. I'm going to get out there and do my job. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, I think something that people really underrate when it comes to any part, like be it stand up, sports, um, just to relate back to the, the gym, like if you're not confident going into whatever it is that you're going to do, if it's like you're trying to set a squat PR, 
you're trying to hit that you're trying to hit your jokes and like you know you're it's your first like the first time you're getting more than two minutes um and you're trying to like you know hit that first like five minute set or whatever um like if you're not even if it's just you're faking your own confidence um if you are already sort of like if you already are sort of self-defeated you you Mm -hmm. and i both know how that's gonna go and it's gonna go like and it's just gonna get worse like as you kind of like continue through it yeah and also i mean like it's sometimes it's tough like if you just had like a shitty day leading up to your set you know and you're just down the dumps and sometimes you go to a show and you're like driving there you're like man i really don't want to be out of the house right now and that's that's one of those times where talking yourself up really helps and it's it's just it's just funny because people don't think about sorry i keep clearing my throat a lot but people don't think about um stand up in that way in terms of working on a muscle or really what goes into it they just think hey you're gonna get up there and be a clown and talk to people you know it's like you don't see people go to a metallica concert and look at the guitarist and be like i could probably do that (laughs) you know but people (laughs) do that people do that all the time when they see stand-up comedians go up on stage they're like oh i'm the funniest guy in my office i could do this Mm -hmm. and they don't really take into consideration what goes through all the prep work leading up to that day and also the months before the years before it's it's a lot of time Oh, for sure. I think um, something that maybe people who aren't like that into stand up the way you and I are, um, like people don't like understand like how much how much practice has gone into every single joke. Like how many times, you know, before um, like I always think of like Robin Williams, like HBO special years ago, like how many a how many times he told those jokes prior to that Mm. point in time. And also that like if you if you are paying any attention to those like stand up specials that are like a full half hour or forty five minutes an hour long, pay attention to how much editing is done because it's like stitched together over like three shows. Um, oh yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, so like there's there's a lot more that you know Robin Williams didn't hit every single joke for forty five straight minutes. Um, mm-hmm. They but you know they edited it together to make it look like he did. So actually, so here's a quick follow up for you. Your whatever yeah. your best joke is, I, you know, not gonna have you tell it or anything, but like the one that you you go to the most, um, anytime that you're, especially if you're like, if you're like, you know, you're going on the road to test out some stuff, but you you have like a couple of reliable jokes. How many times do you think you've done those jokes previously? Oh God, hundreds of times <laughs> probably. I mean, honestly, yeah. And the thing is that you're. You're, you're not always doing the joke the exact same way. You might be doing right. the exact same way 50, 60 times, but then maybe one time, you know, something in the audience, you see you see a certain reaction, so you play with it, and then you punch up the joke a little bit, or you alter the wording here and there. Mm-hmm. So even though you're using maybe the similar jokes or premises hundreds of times in a row, um, if not at least dozens of times in a row, um, then there's definitely some alteration that you do with those jokes as, as you develop them over time. So like sometimes you keep the same premise, but your order of that joke could be completely different by the time you're doing it for a hundred times. Right. And the only way that you can kind of, I shouldn't say the only way, but it becomes easier to make those adjustments when you've practiced it a lot. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, like the back of your hand, it's a lot easier if the, if some audience member gives you a, a chance to sort of like open up a certain pathway. You can do that much more easily if it's something if you something you practiced before. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely definitely comes with time, and you know there are times where even you see headliners that are hitting the road and they're still up there with a notebook. They're still peeking at their notes and mm-hmm. they're still adjusting things. And you know that's because sometimes they're out touring and they're coming to you know maybe the smaller clubs like the one I work at and they're getting ready for a Netflix special or they're getting ready for an HBO special or whatever the case may be. Doesn't mean that they're not any less funny for looking at notes. They're just out there working out their material just like anybody else would. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, so what was your first night like? The first time you had a feature, you know, be it, you know, wherever that might have been. Um, you can you can give me those details. But it, what was your first night like as a feature comedian? Yeah, I would say um, so I'm, in this in this in this way i'm going to take features as being kind of like you know getting like a paid spot right and being on like yeah. a show poster right yeah. um that was probably i'd say a few months november of 2019 i remember it was my first paid spot and i started in like june 2019 so you know it took a few months to get to that point mm-hmm. um which isn't uncommon in this case you know they definitely you, you get somebody that's a producer in the area that sees you working hard and they're going to take a chance on you and that's something i really appreciate and something i think about when i produce shows too but it was it was nerve wracking. I'm not gonna lie. It was very nerve wracking, you know, because you still feel like the new kid at school, 
because you have people that are up on the lineup. They've been doing this for a lot longer than you, even if it's just like a year or so longer than you. That still is so much more experience that they've had under their belt compared to you who just started a few months ago. Um, so it's nerve wracking. It's anxious. It's but it's also exciting at the same time. Um, and so getting up there and doing your job and being in front of a crowd that isn't just there for a free show, but they paid, you know, to get in, whether it's just mm -hmm. even $10 a ticket, but sometimes, you know, they hire a babysitter. They, uh, they've canceled plans that they had previously. They move things around. They want to be out and enjoy themselves. And there, there's a lot of pressure when you think about it that way, but then also too, at the same time, there's also an opportunity to be like, Oh, I get to give a gift to these people of laughter. And I think that that's the way I tried to frame it a little bit my first time up, um, even though mostly I was probably scared shitless, but I was also, <laughs> I was also pretty pumped. You know, I was pretty excited mm -hmm. about it. And some of those people that I was on that show with, I'm, I still do shows with too, to this day. And I still am in contact with them. And I still, you know, I get booked by some of those comedians too, you know, that I've been on those shows with that mm -hmm. I first started. Um, you know, and I, I would say, too, then that that, that was a, a great moment that I remember. And I just remember my first uh, feature spot I ever had, you know, where I was doing like 15 minutes because when you first start, you're doing maybe five, seven, maybe mm -hmm. 10 minutes. Right. And getting to like a 15 minute mark or 20 minute mark, like it doesn't sound like a lot. But when you're up there, it oh. feels like <laughs> a, it feels like a lot, you know, um, and and get, getting that first feature spot in this case, which is a spot for those who might not be. Um, too knowledgeable who are listening to this, but it's the spot before the headliners, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, all right, and now here's you know your opener, and here's a person that is a little bit above the opener, but still not quite the headliner, and then here's your headliner. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that was that was very fun, but also you have to remind yourself, like, hey, it's some some of these people are here to see the headliner, and you're just a guy in their way for seeing the headliner. So mm -hmm. uh, I think that my first night as getting a paid comic very anxious but also my first then you know night getting paid as a featured comic um was i'd say way less nervous and more so of i have a job to do kind of thing mm, gotcha gotcha what were what were some of the um like wh what else just what else can you tell me about that night yeah uh, i remember my, my, my first paid spot specifically um i would say yeah it was i was expecting you know maybe a youngerish crowd it was a lot of older people and i was up there as a newer comic with a lot of jokes about my penis and <laughs> i was like how is this gonna work are they into this do they still fuck i don't know um but <laughs> that's why they came yeah exactly <laughs> i heard there's like, yeah, some no. young guys gonna be talking about his dick we better go see him <laughs> Oh man, they should just go to the open mic then. They'll see a lot of that. But mm -hmm. uh, no, but um, yeah, I mean, it 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 was you know you, you're still standing in the back awkwardly. You're trying to make awkward conversation. There are comics. Um, it's kind of like being it's kind of like being on like a first date, except with people that are on a show with you. You're like, I don't know what to do or what to say or how to conversate. Mm -hmm. um, and and a, a lot of a lot of things. And this is what I learned, um, especially in my first show. But when I first started comedy, people the best advice I got was when you're talking to their comics or you're in a circle with their comics or more experienced and they're all talking, just stand there and shut the fuck up and listen. And that's exactly what I did. And um, watching those comics up there when I was doing my first paid spot and they were up on stage, I learned a lot just watching them, their crowd interaction or delivery. Uh, it really helped kind of shape the ways in which I thought about my jokes and reframing them and really structuring and cutting out the fat. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, there's um <clears throat> I think I think that um that's also something that like is sort of um anybody anybody in any field, but especially like stuff that like is very performative. Um mm. I, and I've, I've heard this I've heard this from just you mentioning it now, but I've also heard it from other people who are in like performance related uh fields or like at least trying to be. Like how much you actually learn just from like shutting your mouth and like letting the other people like go do their thing just watch take notes and like how much you'll actually learn it's a it's quite a bit more than sort of um maybe coming in with your own questions or maybe coming in with like your own ideas it's just sort of is you it is sort of like there's a lot to learn just from watching yeah no absolutely and that you know i'm still learning all the time and that's why i love working at the club because i get to see these touring headliners features etc just coming through town um, and you see them do the same set sometimes two, three, sometimes four times, but you see them switch things up 
and that you notice that the audience doesn't get the experience because mm-hmm. they're only seeing that one show. Right. What would you say was your most memorable moment? Like what what like what really sticks out in your mind that um, whether or not you're doing this five years down the line, ten years down the line, like what what's the moment that you're just going to always remember at least thus far? Oh man, well there, uh, there there's a couple I can toss out there if that's okay. Cause yeah, I had a hard time choosing. Uh, <laughs> this one it was I was in Salt Lake City last year. Um, I say last year is actually actually the year before. It was in 2021. Um, and I was out there visiting my, my buddy and I got put up in a couple of shows out there, including one of his. And there's this guy in the audience, just this short Congress looking man, uh, you know, just out there that definitely had a complex. And mm-hmm. I said something that he didn't agree with. And so I was trying to go back and forth and banter with him. And uh, I realized it wasn't going anywhere. So I just kind of did a little classic out and be like, oh, it's all right. We'll fuck later. You know, so just say, say something silly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to get the crowd react and maybe that gets the person to lift their guard down so they're not addicted to the next comics. Um, and then this this little shrimp of a man just yells out, how about I fuck you up later? And I was like, oh, okay, buddy. Uh, but so, you know, keep the show going. I'm still doing my set. I say a joke towards the end of my set and I see him laughing he's into the joke. He's into the premise. And I called him out and I was like, Oh, look at you. You're back. We got you all smiles again. And that was a good moment because you know, he, he agreed. He was all laughing again. Um, and I was like, great. I got him back. I know I can handle a crowd or, you know, that, that was a good defining moment for me. Cause I was still, you know, relatively fresh into mm-hmm. doing comedy. And that was a great moment to know that I can do, some of that crowd control if I needed to. But the, the memorable part of this though, is that after my set, a waitress comes up to me and she says, Hey, that guy over there pointing at the guy that threatened me, it was like, wants to buy you a drink. Uh, and I was like, all right, cool. I guess I'll do a shot of tequila. And she starts walking away. And I was like, actually, wait, what's your most expensive shot of tequila? And, <laughs> she, and so that's how I ended up getting a $14 shot of tequila. Um, and then afterwards, a guy came up to me. He's like, oh, man, like, you know, sorry. I thought we were having a good little back and forth and having fun. And I just looked at him. I was like, no, dude, you threatened me. Like, <laughs> and any, um, I, I was I was really worried the story was going to be like, and anyway, I got the shit out of me in Salt Lake and it's in the hospital for <laughs> weeks. Uh, no, no, no. Just how I got a $14 shot of tequila. That was a memorable moment. It sounds silly, but that's the moment I always remember. Um, but in a more like per- professional, I guess, you know, career development way, um, there's the comedy works in Denver, right? Downtown Denver, Colorado, mm-hmm. and one of the best clubs in, in the nation, you know, comics film their specials there, come through, try out new material, like Roy Wood Jr. recently filmed a special there not too long oh, ago, nice, for instance. Nice. Um, and so... At Comedy Works, they do a thing called New Talent Night. And what New Talent Night is, is basically you sign up for like eight to 12 weeks at a time to finally get up on stage to get an opportunity to do some time and get promoted through like a hierarchy system, right? So your first time you sign up, you're what's called an end set and you get two minutes. And then immediately after your end set, as long as you don't say anything outlandish, like the N word, um, <laughs> you then get bumped up automatically to a C set, right? Gotcha. And then C set is three minutes, B set's four. A sets five, and then from there you get promoted to almost famous slash pro, and that's when you become a regular at Comedy Works, performing for national headliners, you know, like your Joe List, your Best Sellings, your Kelsey Cooks, your Doug mm-hmm. Stanhopes, etc. Right? Um, and so, not every everyone gets to a C set basically, but not everyone gets to a C set from a B set, and it it takes a while to get up there too, right? And so I was recently, a few months ago, I want to say it was in November of last year. Um, I went up, I was, you know, I'm getting so close to being on a B set cause I've been up about, you know, three times as a C set and it usually takes about three or four times to get bumped up. If you're, if you're progressing, they see you're progressing mm-hmm. and the host goes up, then they bring up a comic that has four minutes. He's a B set. His name is Ben Duncan, super funny, local, absolute crusher, very hard to follow. And so I knew that, uh, the, the people that, do the lineup because they they do it random right they're not going to put all the n sets together and all the c sets and all the b sets they're going to intersperse them throughout so that way you have a nice little wave and ebb and flow and it's not just you know five new talent sets potentially bombing in front of a sold out comedy works crowd you know um so the crowd was sold out they were really ready to laugh and i was like well this is my sink or swim moment and so i get up there do my three minutes 
feel like I absolutely killed it and crushed it. And then they give notes afterwards, you know, feedback in the, like the green room. And so mm-hmm. got my note and right away they're like, you're promoted to a B set. And man, that just, that was just super validating for me because I was, I was in the point where, you know, you ever like this, you know, like probably any athlete does, you know, I'm not saying I'm athletic by any means says that I'm not but <laughs> just using the metaphor that we talked about earlier, but it, it, it is a validating moment, but you also have your moments where you're like, man, am I really supposed to be doing this? Am I really like meant to be doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I have a place here? And so getting that, I, I was having one of those periods of just some self-doubt. And so having that happen, that really uplifted my spirits again and really just had me look forward to what's next and really had me kind of re re reprioritize in terms of how I'm looking at comedy and how I'm feeling about it. And you know, looking at it as if, you know, am I trying to do this so I can try to be the next big thing and get picked up and get on the road with some famous headliner? Or am I doing this because I love doing it and I want to do it and I want to make people happy and I want to prove that I have a spot here, right? And it definitely is more the latter, but that was a very validating moment for me. That's very cool. That's very cool. Um, so your next set there is just going to be four minutes of the N-word, right? Yeah, yeah, but like in different languages. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, like Sanskrit, um, you know, Mandarin. I'm going to learn it in all these different ones. There you go. Well, you got to put some variety in it. Um, No, that's that's really cool, though, um, that like, yeah, I think, I think, um, uh, I think every, again, every sort of performative, um, every sort of performative um, uh, job or hobby kind of has those moments. Um, I think to relate it to the gym, something you and I talk about a lot. Um, that's like that first moment, like when like the biggest dude in the gym, like comes over after you do something like, Hey man, good job. (laughs) It's like, it's like, holy shit. Like uh, that huge man noticed me. I do belong here at this gym. Like, like I am doing a good job. Um, but -hmm. it is really cool. You got that validation. So when is, when is the next time you're heading back there to, uh, to, uh, to do that? Uh, I believe the next time I'm going to be up there is on the 21st. So that's a Tuesday. They do every Tuesday. Um, I was going to be on earlier in the month, but some things came up, you know, with uh, you know, a girlfriend and her family and whatnot. Her mom had to get a pacemaker. So I was like, hey, that's a little more important. <laughs> Let's get Oh, They're up. so good at putting those things in. It's nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No big deal. Just putting something on your heart. Mm. But uh, <laughs> no, but I'll be back up there. Um uh, mid to late February, so the next couple of weeks or so. Gotcha, gotcha. So, what would you what would you say is the hardest thing about being a, an amateur stand up? Oh man, the hardest thing, other than just deciding that you're a masochist and being okay with that. Um, but <laughs> I would say there's always trying to push to the next level and breaking through, you know, quote unquote, the ranks, if you will, because there's there, there's there's always a fight to get more stage time, especially in an area that is so well-developed with comedy, the Fort Collins, Denver, Boulder, Colorado Springs, like we have a great comedy scene out here. And luckily, and I'm only an hour away from Denver, Fort Collins, the comedy for it, I might be a little biased, but honestly, one of the best comedy clubs in the nation, in my opinion, like I love working there, I love being there. But there's so much, there's so many other great comics in this area because Denver just breeds good comedy. And so I think the biggest thing is to, the biggest challenge, basically, or biggest or hardest thing is just really trying to figure out how am I going to push that next level? How am I going to stand out? How am I going to get more of that stage time um, in terms of getting to, you know, 15 minutes consistently, 20 minutes, being more of a, a feature as opposed to maybe an opener or in the first half kind of situation. And that, that, that's really tough to do. Luckily we have a very supportive scene out here though. So um, even though we are all competing for stage time, it's also very supportive. Like, so for instance, you know, say you were a comic out here and you were getting booked and you got some awesome opportunities. I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm not going to be weird about it and be petty and be like, you don't deserve this. I'm going to say, dude, that's fucking awesome. Congratulations. And that's not the vibe that you get in a lot of scenes. So we're very lucky to have what we have here. But that being said, there, there's just still always a constant feeling of having to remind yourself as to why you're doing this and to not be your biggest critic because you could have a great set one day and then have three mediocre sets, you know, your next three shows. Um, and it's, 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 it's hard sometimes to keep yourself motivated, especially when you are kind of burning the wick at two ends, you know, and you're trying to figure out, well, how do I get myself reinvigorated to get to that next level? Gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting that you talk about like, um, 
you, you talk about like the the comedy community out there. Obviously, I have no frame of reference um, other than like mm-hmm. other than like um, you know what pop culture tells me about stand up comedy. Um, and I I do find it very interesting that uh, your sort of experiences are in stark contrast to like what pop culture tells us about stand up. And mm-hmm. you know that's in, that's in part just for TVs and movies. Like it, if there's no drama or conflict, then there is no story. But those those ideas come from somewhere. So it's interesting to hear that um, that there is a more there's a simultaneously more robust and supportive community where you are. I find that very. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good. That's great. But I also do find that very interesting. Yeah, it's competitive. It's also supportive, though. Um, uh... I think one of the like yeah with TV shows you're you're totally hitting the nail on the head there is that it is very much so dramatized in some cases but also in some cases that's very much so the experience that some scenes have um, from what I've heard just from my friends in other places uh, I would say though that maybe one of the most relatable for my experience TV shows if I had to reference one would be I'm dying up here from Showtime I'm not sure if you ever saw that one. Um, it was only like two seasons. It had like Al Madrigal in it. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm not, I've never seen it, but I'm, I'm like aware mm-hmm. of its existence. Yeah. Right, right. Like yeah. Eddie Griffin, uh, Andrew Santino. Uh, it was a great show. Definitely recommend it. It does comedy like in the 70s though, during like the um, uh, Freddie Prince days and whatnot, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but I, I would say that it, 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 there's always that self-loathing aspect, but also too, you get those huge highs as well sometimes. And um, I'm just glad that we have the scene that we have out here, basically. Yeah. Have you ever had like a, a maybe not like a bad interaction with someone, but like a weird interaction with someone that like really stands out? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. There are some, you know, comics that you meet that um, I, I'm I'm very just friendly and social and outgoing, and you know, it's I I definitely approach every new encounter of meeting someone. They're just like, hey, how's it going? Oh, my name's Greg. What's up? And Sometimes you get those comics that they're just very much so staying in their own lane, don't want to be associated with anybody else, and they're just very standoffish, maybe cold, and it it's weird. It's weird when you have those moments, um, and then you, you see them get up on stage, they crush, but then they get off stage, and they just don't interact with anyone. And I think the biggest part about, at least within where I'm at, the doing comedy, is the community. The community is awesome, and that is like basically – uh, of one of my friend groups, right, is that community specifically. And so when you have a comic that is very much so just in their own lane and just in their own space and being a little standoffish or cold, especially when you are trying to be a bit more welcoming, it is it is a little weird. It is a little off-putting. Hmm. Interesting. I Yeah, I would, I mean, again, uh, obviously these, these people and these experiences exist and have existed forever in stand-up, but I do mm-hmm. find that it just, it's one of those things that strikes me as very strange, like something that, is so um, is so based on human interaction and like reading and understanding and feeling that human interaction that like there are people that are like ah eh, fuck human interaction human interaction I don't need it <laughs> right right or I guess another like odd thing that happens sometimes too is that oh man one time I had somebody I was doing a host set and after the show I thought the host set went fine you know it wasn't my best host set but i was also just getting the show kicked off i was leaving the mm-hmm. majority of the jobs the rest of the comics and they did so great um but this kid probably in his 20s comes up to me and he is like hey man i don't think the crowd was really feeling you but i thought you were funny i was like cool thanks <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway that you went home with him that night yeah right right i had to you're obligated to it's in the comedic uh contract um but yeah i was like cool one out of 70 neat dude (laughs) perfect you went home and told everyone about it right right or like you have like a really like drunk usually it's usually drunk dudes that come up after a set that they're like man i thought your set was really good i was really into your set oh let me tell you some jokes that i have and you're like please fucking don't do it (laughs) don't tell oh man like i said i stopped telling uber drivers that were taking me to the club you know if i was playing drinking at night or whatnot um that i was a comic because they would just try their best oh i'm sure they have a lot of time to sit there and think about that oh yes oh yes and it's usually very sexist racist you're just like dude what the fuck is happening right now (laughs) (laughs) all right so you know let's say you're hosting um hosting a night and uh, person new newer person 
um, you know, has just finished their like first open mic set or whatever it is, um, you know, their first two minutes, whatever. They're walking off stage, good or bad, doesn't matter if they bombed or if they were great. What's the first thing that you're going to tell them, talk to them about? Like, what, what, what's your first sort of like thing that you want you want to experience with them? Yeah, so that's a very that's a very interesting question, and the reason I say that is because there is a culture of not always immediately interacting with every new comic you see because sometimes people go up there for the first time and they don't come back around. Um, a lot of people don't necessarily start investing themselves and having conversations with new open micers until they've shown that they're actually serious about it and they're at least a handful of times, at least not a couple times, right? Um, but that being said, you know, say if, if somebody goes up for the first time, it's the first time I've seen them, is their first mic, they have great stage presence, maybe their joke structure needs help and whatnot. Um, I'll first go up to them and be like, hey, you know, my name is Greg. Saw your setup there. Uh, is it okay if, you know, maybe I just potentially give you some advice? Because you don't want to go up there and be like, hey, man, here's what you need to fucking do. Uh, it's just it's just a little condescending when you go up like that. At least I think so. And uh, a lot of comics, even even today, even with, like, my friends and whatnot, the, you know, if they have input or suggestion or tag for my joke, they will specifically ask me, like, hey, do you mind if I give you a tag or a punch for your joke? And so that culture is... It's not it's not a written rule, but it definitely is one that is one of those unspoken rules, right? Kind of thing in terms of you always make sure other person's receptive to receiving feedback. Um, but that being said, man, one of the first things that always always pops in my mind is move the fucking mic stand, dude. Like people <laughs> take that mic out of the mic stand and then just stand behind the mic stand as if they're trying to be a skinny dude hiding behind a telephone pole. And it is just, I don't know if it's like a safety net because there's something in front of them separating them from the crowd, or they're just too nervous to realize, oh, this object is in front of me. But if you move that over, it immediately opens yourself up to the room and makes yourself a bit more, um, I guess, personal to the crowd, just through your body language. And hmm. a lot of, I, I think a lot of new comics don't really under, don't really think about how their body language is on stage. Um, or sometimes they're just pacing back and forth consistently and not looking up much, or they are looking up, but they're just doing a lot of nervous pacing. And that takes away from the content of your jokes, even if they're good or bad or not. Like you still want the audience focusing I, on I was what say, you're saying. People, I was going to say, people are just watching you pace back and forth. Right. Right, right. And then they're like, oh, man, does this guy have a gun? Is this going to go bad? He's going to shoot us? Like, what's going to happen? Uh, <laughs> but um, that's a joke. But anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but that, those are definitely some things I'd say. But also, you know, if there's, if there's a joke that even if it's bad, if the premise has promise, I'm going to say something. I'm like, dude, that premise has promise. It has some wheels. You just need to work on it a bit. So definitely looking forward to seeing, you know, how you shape it down the road and give it just even getting that little bit of encouraging feedback um, or just even just even saying hello, you know, is enough to keep some comics or new folks who are trying comedy. Cause I don't necessarily think you call them comics just after it's like their first one. Right. Mm -hmm. But their first time doing comedy, encourage them to come around. And we want there to be a culture of comedy and for people to come out to these shows and for people to be at the open mics that aren't comics and to watch things and, to do that, you need the comics and you need them to be wanting to work on things. And um, I remember that when I first started, there were some people in my mind that I can, you know, spout out right off the top of my head that were very welcoming when I first started. And that's really what kept me around, honestly. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. For sure. Even if, um, you know, even if you didn't end up, um, you know, even if you didn't end up going as far as you have to this point with comedy, I'm sure if you had a, a bunch of people really, um really being dickheads about you know you be maybe not about your, your your jokes or whatever but like if they were just unwelcoming to begin with that 100 percent would have discouraged you from coming back i mean it's oh yeah I, I, like there, there's I, I mean i guess that's true for anything that you're trying the first time if there if you happen to go or do something on the wrong at the wrong time with the wrong people that can definitely keep people from going back to it oh yeah absolutely and it's you know, it's like even if someone's doing good or bad and it's their first time, you know, I feel like that uh, my best advice to give just to anybody starting for a first time is keep going. Keep going to the open mics. Keep getting out there and putting yourself in front of a situation where you have a mic in your hand and people to listen. Um, you know, you ever like uh, you ever see Papa Swolio? He's that guy on like TikTok or Instagram and he mm. is always yeah, it's always him like just opening up to him and he's a super jack dude probably in his 20s or 30s and he's always like drinking like i have a mug and he always 
uh, the camera zooms in on him and he spits out the water and he just looks at the camera really aggressively and says, go to the fucking gym. What are you doing? Go to the fucking gym. <laughs> it's just like so like in your face. But like, honestly, like, yeah, it's like go to the open mic, get out, keep doing it. Cause it mm-hmm. is like training a muscle. Like you're not going to see improvement or just magically one day wake up funny if you're not working on things. Exactly. Exactly. There's, um, I, I, I so quick wrap up question here then, or, or maybe not even a question, quick wrap up. Um, summary here would you so would you say like besides the um you know besides the, obviously like the uh, i guess like having the desire to do this the the work ethic is the most important part of of all of this oh absolutely a hundred percent like you can't you can't just get content with where you're at and just think that you're gonna just ride on the same five to ten minutes for the rest of your life uh you know i mean yeah you'll get booked but then eventually you're gonna get stale and you're not going to be as excited about your jokes. I mean, I can, I can tell I have a hard time sometimes uh, separating on stage which one of my jokes are old and which ones are my new ones I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. Because your old ones, you know, we discussed, you're doing dozens, hundreds of times, over and over again, maybe sometimes different variations, but you're doing them pretty often. And then when you have a new joke premise that you're working on, that you're developing, like you're excited about it. It's like you're building something, you know? And uh, it's, it's hard sometimes to not show that you're more excited about your newer jokes as opposed to your older jokes gotcha gotcha all right let's uh let's wrap this interview up with greg's top five um and so it's a it's a uh this i'm gonna do a different top five for everyone i'm interviewing here and for greg's top five i asked him to name me your top five world leaders past or present whose stand-up set you'd like to see um (laughs) so it's an odd question, but we'll we'll get into it here. Um, so we'll we'll go we'll go uh, you know from uh, from five up to one. So uh, so Greg, your top five world leaders. Whose stand up set you want to see? Who's number five on this list? Number five on this list is gonna be. And these are gonna be really absurd because I thought about these and I was like, <laughs> I don't know if these people did comedy ever in their life, but doesn't I matter. See them it, it's it's better if they didn't do comedy and it's better <laughs> if they are absurd. So go for it. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say. Uh, Sun Tzu, you know, the guy who, uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying the right name right, the but the guy who wrote the book. Yep, The Art of War. Because <laughs> just picture him up there just being all serious but trying to tell jokes and just being monotone and stoic. <laughs> like, just just something I, about that. I was going to say, he could be could be a good stoic stand-up. Just the stone-faced, um, yeah, the stone-faced uh, stand-up that doesn't, like, you know, the, the minimal, I, stoic's the only, stoic is the word for it. Like, the stoic comedian. Right, right. And I feel like that, you know, he'd be one of those situations where you're like, I don't know if that was a joke or a statement, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm here for the party. Right, right. <laughs> how about uh, how about your number four? Number four, just because I think it would be hilarious to see this giant man try this, is Genghis Khan. Uh, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of rape jokes, I think. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm not even going to... Uh, I thought about pretending to do an impersonation of one, but I'm not going to because that would be bad. Because uh, uh, then, then, Greg, you will be sought out by cancel culture and all those woke liberals will come right after you. Uh, yeah, the woke mafia. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I just picture he just tells like a joke and like a punchline. And maybe in some cases, he just says the word punchline. And then everyone around him... <laughs> Is just too scared to get murdered that they just start laughing. They like, laugh. I'm picture one of those situations. <laughs> yep. Yep, exactly. All right. So, uh, so uh, how about your number three? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Rasputin. All right. I, I know he wasn't necessarily officially a world leader. but Oh, he, he was. Basically, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah. He was like a shadow leader. Yeah. You know? uh, I, apparently, he was very charming. You know, he's a very smelly man. Um, and I think that he would have a very good stage presence because he was so charming and manipulative. I feel like he could really work a crowd. I think, I think you're right. I mean, he worked over an entire Royal family, so. Right, right. Absolutely. Yes. I think the Rasputin would be uh, my number three. Uh, How about your number two? Number two, Barack Obama. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. I just, cause I just picture him just (laughs) every set to start with America. And that's it. Like, he just goes into his set, goes to knock, knock, who's there? I said, who's there? I wasn't supposed to. And he just keeps going into his set. <laughs> and I think he would just be a great one just with his time, his cadence. He's a very good public speaker. And so I think that he, that would translate well to a stand-up stage. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and and you know that he would, you know that, like, that's something that he would put 100% effort into. 
And it, oh, and absolutely. even if it didn't all hit, you know, you and I both know there'd be very funny jokes in there. Oh, absolutely. And I picture because he's not president anymore, he could just, you know, light up a J right before he goes on stage. Oh, he definitely be <laughs> he gets up there. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> All right, how about your number one? My number one, and this is actually someone who is a comic or was before. Um, I'm going to butcher the name, but Vladimir Zelensky. Vladimir uh, Zelensky, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he he was a comic. He does stand-up comedy. I watch your show. He does stand-up comedy before. Yeah, exactly. And I would love to see him do a set in person, especially I feel like that while it's very catastrophic, from tragedy comes comedy. Everything's happening in Ukraine right now. I feel like he'd have some things to say, and oh. I would love to see what he says. It's um. Have you have you seen his show perchance, Servant of the People? I haven't. I do need to check it out though. It's very one. It's very very. There are some. There are some great. There are some great character actors in this show that like. They they show up and like I'm just waiting for. I'm like I'm so excited for like what they're gonna say because they're just so <laughs> fucking good. They're so fucking funny. But he is. Very funny, very charming, and it's it's this very interesting um, juxtaposition to like how I first, you know, like the like I'm sure everyone's first introduction to Zelensky has been through all the um, communicate like you know through the nightly news basically and seeing all right. the uh, like the cell phone communication and stuff, and it's like seeing him in a, in this TV show is drastically different. It's I mean it's almost like it is a entirely different person. It's very strange, but like he's very very funny. Yeah, I, I feel like that his situation is almost like I think he should leave sketch. You know, he's like a, doing like sketch comedy and doing like stand up and whatnot. And then his day job is that he goes in and clocks in as president and then he goes and films his shows at night. <laughs> like, I feel like it, there, there's definitely a sketch there somewhere. There, oh, for sure. For sure. All right. So uh, real quick. The, the, so we had Sun Tzu at number five, Genghis Khan at number four, uh, Rasputin at number three, Obama at number two, and Volodymyr Zelensky at number one. I think that is a very, very solid top five for uh, for my first interview. And I think this is a very solid interview. Greg, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, Matt, appreciate having me on. All right. Uh, if you want to throw out all your, you know, your social media and, um, you know, anything else you want to you want to advertise, this is this is the point in time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, people can follow me on Instagram at Craigery. So Craig, but O-R-Y underscore Cherry. And then I am also on the TikTok, but I only have like two TikTok reels so far. I'm learning. It's a young kid's game. It, um, I, that TikTok has made me feel so fucking old. Dude, so fucking old. And there's just so much butt and boob on there. How can I How can I compete? I know, right? But, yeah, but my TikTok, if people are interested, is just all one word, Greg Cherry Comedy. And then if people are feeling generous, my Venmo is at Cherry Tree Comedy. Uh, <laughs> of course it is. Um <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, so you're going to be in, I mean, you know, on the off chance that uh, people out in Colorado are listening to this. So you're going to be in Denver, or where, where are you going to be the next couple of weeks? Yeah, next couple of weeks, I'm going to be at Sushi Ha. It's a sushi venue, but they do stand-up comedy there um, that they booked. that gets pretty packed out um, tomorrow. Um, I will be at the Cowtown Comedy Festival in Greeley, Colorado, uh, towards the end of March. And I think those dates are March 29th and 30th but towards the end of march there so we recommend checking me out there if you're in the area there you go perfect greg appreciate it man yeah of course appreciate it having me on